It's time now for In-Depth, KHUM's new monthly documentary series exploring topics in-depth that concern us most. For our debut episode, we took a closer look at the rise in activism happening all over the country and right here on the North Coast. People who have been dormant and on the sidelines for years are now taking part in marches, town hall meetings, letter-writing campaigns, and so much more. Some people who have never been active in their lives have suddenly come into an awakening. In this episode, we'll be heading out to a town hall meeting with our very own representative, Jared Huffman. Town hall meetings around the nation have had much higher turnouts than normal. Our meeting was no exception, although the tone may have been different than some of the ones you've seen on the news. We'll also be talking with a local woman who was motivated to fly all the way to Washington, D.C. to take place in the Women's March. We'll talk with the chairman of the Humboldt County Republican Party, a psychologist who will try to explain what motivates individuals to get involved who never have before, and a look back at the MLK March and the biggest crowd it's ever had as we look at the increase in activism in depth. Folks, this is what democracy looks like. I'm Bailey Brown. I'm Chuck Rogers. And you're listening to KHUM In-Depth. During today's episode, we're looking at the rise of activism within Humboldt County. So recently, we went to Congressman Jared Huffman's town hall meeting in Arcata. They had planned for maybe 100 to 200 people in a small auditorium. And lo and behold, 1,200 people show up. They have to move it to the gymnasium. And the staff and Congressman Huffman, I think, were even overwhelmed and amazed at how many people were there. But it's happening. Yeah, and not just in Humboldt, actually all over the the country as well, which is incredible. Something is going on. That is for sure. And so we're looking at that within this episode. At the town hall meeting, it was amazing because Mm -hmm. Jared Huffman asked how many people had never attended a town hall meeting before. It was over half of the crowd raised their hands. Well, uh, something's happening. Uh, What is it? Well, it is an awakening, I think. And... Uh, maybe even a renaissance of citizenship. People want to get involved. Everywhere I go, the question I get is, what can we do? How can we get involved? How can we make a difference? What you saw tonight is one way that people can do that. They can come out to a town hall, raise their voices, show support if they agree with their elected officials, let them have it if they don't. That's really, really healthy. And, and, you know, this is a pretty dark time. I'm not going to sugarcoat the threats we're facing But if there's a silver lining, it's this. I think this is really encouraging. How does this gathering compare to previous ones before 2017? Uh, It's a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger and a lot more focused. Uh, Often in my town hall meetings, I get kind of technical, arcane questions about this road closure and, you know, (laughs) this fishing regulation or whatever. That's all good. We need to talk about those. But these people tonight are concerned about their country. And that's new and different. Is the Democratic caucus going to use this momentum? They sure better. We need to keep up with the citizens of this country who are moving very fast and very positively to turn this thing around. I hope focus toward the 2018 midterm elections, right? So a lot of people you sometimes hear, well, gosh, what are the Democrats in Washington doing to tell us what to do? Don't wait for that. There's already great stuff happening in the Women's March and the Scientists March and the Indivisible Movement and the Lean Left Movement, all these things, Swing Left. Um, We'll just try to keep up with you because there's so much good happening in an organic, community-based way. I wouldn't want to to try to um, steer that from Washington. I just want to work with it. And I think most of my colleagues see it the same way. Being in that room, not only was it crowded, it was also so 
energizing. Everyone was very engaged and on the edge of their seat Mm -hmm. waiting to hear what Huffman had to say. And then even after he finished, when we were milling around the room, people still wanted to talk. So we had no problem at all getting a lot of comments from the people who were there. One of them was Ross Taylor. Have you ever been to a town hall meeting before? Uh, No, this was my first time. Why did you decide to come? Um, I'm really concerned with what's going on with the federal government, and I want to be more involved in politics. And so this was a good chance to come and listen to what uh, Congressman Huffman had to say. Why had you chosen not to come out before? Um, I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth. Um, Maybe it's more a sense of urgency right now that I feel in the political climate. Everybody all over the country is on edge right now. And we were just asking a congressman to compare the tone here with what Republicans are facing. And this seemed to be more of a congressman on the same page with the constituents. Were you satisfied with what you heard? Do you think he's going to fight a good fight? Yeah, I think he will. Um, I work locally in the fisheries restoration community, and he's come and spoken at several of our conferences. And so I know he has a good background in fighting for environmental protections, um, clean water, clean air, and I think he's going to represent us well. With a crowd like this, you find out you're not alone. And secondly, you hear the uh, answers from somebody who can make a difference. Um, It's nice that he came. There was a big crowd. It was supportive. It doesn't make me feel any less nervous about what's happening on the federal level because I think he explained very clearly that the Republicans have the charge of all the three branches of government right now, and they're driving the ship. And we can do what we can do to organize, and then hopefully in the midterm elections, things will turn around. And I think we need to be united and be active like this. More than half the people here, I think, raised their hands that this was the first town hall meeting they had attended. I think it was even more than half. Okay, yeah. yeah. A lot. You know, Bailey, one of the things I noticed at this town hall is how many people are paying such close attention to the details of what's going on in Washington. And I don't remember this kind of attention being paid to who's being appointed to the agencies and who are the undersecretaries and when are the hearings going to be for confirmation for all of these people. But now, this year, people are paying more attention than I can ever remember. I know. Previous years, you could walk down the street, ask people who heads the EPA. They'd have no idea, most people. But now, that's a whole other story. Yep. We also caught up with Scott Harris on over at the town hall meeting, and here's what he had to say. I'm disgusted at Trump and the people he's appointing to head agencies that are basically the biggest opponents of those agencies, and... um, I hope that things will change, and I think people like Congressman Huffman are the best people to move that change forward. Well, you are very, very lucky to live at a place with a congressman like that. Uh, A lot of other places, I don't know if you've seen the town hall meetings, a lot of people are very... I've seen the Republican ones on TV, yeah, and they're getting very very heated, and um, I can understand it. So here's something I've been wondering about. Tell me if you've been wondering about this, too. All this energy on the left in Humboldt County, mostly Democratic support. People are showing up at town halls. People are talking about this all the time. Makes you wonder what people on the other side of the political spectrum around here are thinking about this and what they're talking about right now. 
Yeah, that's why I had the great idea to go ahead and talk to John Shutt, who is the chairman of the Republican Party here in Humboldt County. And it was really interesting what he has to say. And he's talking about the fact that he's hearing some of the same things, too, even on that side. They've had increased participation. Even on the Republican side. Wow. Have you seen in this last election cycle increased participation in the Republican Party? Up here, yes. Yeah, we have. um, For about two years, I was working right there in the office volunteering um, every Wednesday. And a lot of people were coming in. I was really surprised, you know, especially <laughs> knowing the politics of Humboldt County. A lot of people coming in wanting to get involved. And um, one thing that's interesting is there are new people coming into our monthly Republican Central Committee meeting and younger people. How many people are usually at the monthly meeting? Normally, when I first started coming back, when I moved back to uh, Humboldt County, it was basically just the board, which you're talking nine people. Okay. That would be ru- the board that runs the party for the county. That was it. And, you know... We're inching up to 17 and 18, and I know that's not a huge number in other terms, but in this sense that these are extra people that are, if you go to a Republican Central Committee meeting, you go because you want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you don't, I mean, obviously, if you're not interested in it, you don't want to sit through on them because they're absolutely boring. Okay, so what I'm wondering, after listening to the town hall, after listening to local Republicans, I'm wondering whether this is just a lot of people showing up who are angry and have something to say as a reaction to, a backlash to the 2016 election, or whether what we're seeing really is what Congressman Huffman said, and it's an awakening overall, and whether people are now more committed, whether they are now more invested in what they believe now or not. I think there is nothing like the imagery of the MLK celebration to show how much more engaged people are now. In previous years, the MLK celebration just had a few hundred people. Mm -hmm. This year, they packed the Adorney Center to overcapacity. It was quite impressive. So the person to talk to about that is Lorna Bryant. She's the social media and PR director for the Eureka NAACP, and you sat down with her and talked to her about that very thing. The chief expressed himself that he expected 100 people or so to show up. It was hundreds. Um, Did you get an exact count? Um, I heard an upwards of uh, between five and 800 people. So we um, filled the Dorney Center to capacity and then some. So it was the largest event in my history that I'd ever seen for a Martin Luther King Day celebration. Why do you think that is? Um, where our current administration, uh, political climate, where it has um, been used as a tool for divisiveness, it's also being used as a tool for unity. Since the election in November, we've gone from our monthly meetings where there may have been six people in attendance to the first meeting in November, there were 15 people in attendance. In December, there were 25. In January, 35 or so, our February meeting, there were 50 or 60 people there. People are activated. They want to come together and seek solutions. One of the things I'd like to do is key in on a word that Lorna used in your talk with her, and that's the word unity. 
kind of reminds me of uh, the whole idea of political physics where there is an equal but opposite reaction to something that has happened. And clearly, there is something happening in reaction to or backlash to. All this divisiveness we've seen. There's a reaction to the divisiveness, I think, on one side for sure. Um, People who were not organized prior seem to be organized uh, around the reaction to the unease and the worry that's going on. Um, I think that's happening not just on the far left, but also in the middle, too. I think there are a lot of people of like mind who are worried about what's going on. And they are seeing that they need to be invested in the future more now than they have been. That's why so many people also came on out to the Women's March. Yes. In Eureka, it was the largest march that has ever occurred there, with about 5,000 people estimated to be in there, which definitely exceeded the estimated 2,500-person march in Eureka back in 2003, protesting mm-hmm. the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was just the local version of the Women's March, which, of course, happened in cities all over the world. Yeah, Uh, there there was another 600 marches that happened? all over. Yeah. Uh, Worldwide, millions of people. Uh, The one in Washington alone, I believe, was, uh, what, several times the size of the people who showed up the crowd at the uh, inauguration itself? Yeah, about three times, according to crowd scientists from the New York Times. Right. So, yeah, right. pretty fascinating. But we caught up with a local woman who felt compelled to go all the way out to the march in Washington. See, this is amazing to me. This this is like a story of motivation, and it almost makes the whole point of what we're talking about in this program. A local woman from a remote area of northwest California decides that she has to be a part of what's going on in Washington. You talked with Johanna Nagan at Blondie's in Arcata. So why did you decide to go to the Women's March in D.C.? Uh, Well, I thought it was really important, everything about it. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, enough was enough. You felt powerless if you didn't do something. And uh, I knew there were other marches happening closer. And this, um, I just felt good. Felt good to say, okay, I'm going to you know, go, I'm going to do it. And, and it did, it felt really good. (laughs) Take it one step further, go all the way to DC. Exactly. Yeah. And to support, you know, to support everyone else that was going and doing it and organizing it and what the whole movement was about. So do you feel like you've been more motivated to be more active politically? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think because I don't want to say there's fear involved, but there is a little bit, you know, things were getting to a point where, It was just like people were feeling um, fearful of what they were hearing and what they were seeing. And that definitely helps get people motivated to say, okay, I need to do something. And do you feel like going to the march? Do you think that that helped? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were with 500,000 people of like-minded, you know, motivated people that... Oh, we're all with you. They, it was all people you didn't know, and yet 
they were all with you and it was awesome so yeah there was no fear there was no fear once and that was even something that someone commented about on the subways because the subways were crazy they were crazy you go down and you're trying to get to the march and you see these cars and cars and go by and go by and go by and they're just jam-packed full and the energy of it going by and you're like well I'm supposed to get on one but they're totally full and then after like 20 of them you're like oh my gosh am I ever going to get on and then in the back of your mind you're like but that's awesome you're just so excited that they were all jam-packed full and then finally get on and it's so crowded and packed on a subway which would normally be this really uncomfortable situation you know you're just you're with a bunch of people in this tight place in a train and you're like ugh. but it wasn't and someone had mentioned they're like you know you feel safe you know no one's gonna be inappropriate with you you know you're all you're all there for the right reason so that made a big difference that's wonderful. Yeah. I got to sit on this sweet old lady's lap with my baby. She was just like, here, come sit on my lap. And I was like, wow, uh, okay. And then I did, and we took a selfie, and it was awesome. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. You're going to have to send that to me. I totally will. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. Do you feel like this march made everyone feel more connected? or Because a lot of people have been commenting that they feel like America's becoming more and more divided. That's interesting. I... I think it did make people feel more connected. I was observing people in the airports on the way there and on the way back. I mean, especially in D.C. where it was looking at, I mean, you saw all these pink hats and you saw some red ones. <laughs> and I made it a point to try to talk to, you know, the red ones and say, hey, you know, how was your day? Stuff like that. And just to take notice of that there wasn't a divide because I think that is really important and overall I think um, on the far ends there's been more division and in the middle there's more unity so on the extreme ends it's like no there is more division but overall I think it has brought more people together so it seems to me that we've established what is going on we still though are struggling to find out why Yes, and everybody has their own different opinion as to why this is. And it's puzzling psychologists and political scientists all over the country. Just about everybody is saying we really haven't seen anything exactly like this. They can point to other similar kinds of periods of time, but nothing exactly like this. People are struggling with the reaction to the election. People are struggling with social change, their own party affiliations in some cases. You know who is a political scientist in town? John Shutt. Yeah, the, also the chairman for the Republican Party. He's a political science professor over at CR. And it was very interesting to hear his observations about the local Republican Party and on a student population. People came in and changed registration from Democrat to Republican, mm. which, you know, I was so surprised I would have never thought that would happen. Did they give you any reasons that they were doing that? Um... There were, there were a couple of varied reasons. A lot of them just said Hillary. I think a lot of them, too, have the same mindset that across the nation they're just tired of nobody looking out for them. Um, the Democrats, which is traditionally that party that did look out for them, has kind of, you know, just like some people say the Republicans have gone off the right end, the Democrats, you know, have, are focusing more on their left side of their party. And so the moderates are left, you know, kind of without anybody to look to in both parties. 
one of the things as, as a political scientist that I worry about is part of the reason Barack Obama won in 2008 is because people needed change. They wanted a change in Washington in their lives. They wanted someone to look out for them. And I'm not going to say I'm not saying he was a failure by any means, but he didn't address a lot of those problems. And that's how we got President Trump. Whether you like him or don't like him, really the last eight years are what led up to his election. And I'm concerned that if people didn't get their needs met, their needs met by President Obama, and then in four years or eight years, whatever it ends up being, don't feel that they were their needs were met by a Trump administration, what happens? Because now people have tried both extremes and differences in the parties, and I don't know where these people go or what they think or, you know, do they just stop voting, period. It's kind of a um, worrisome thing looking forward. Well, it's good that people are getting more involved and taking action in that sort of way instead of just being even more apathetic. Yeah, and what I've seen, too, is a lot of people, they they voted one way their whole lives or they voted one way because their parents did, but they never really bothered to stop and check why. Why am I voting this way? And um, it's it's nice teaching it to uh, teaching political science because you see the kids start to be able to understand why or maybe why they shouldn't be voting the way they do. Okay. And you see them change their, their mindset based on that. Awesome. That's good to see people utilizing their critical thinking. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Bailey, what we've been talking about is kind of what's going on societally and even globally in reaction to or a backlash to the whole election of 2016, but I'm still struggling with the why on the individual level. Why some individuals who have never even been interested before now believe strongly in many cases, as we've heard so far, that they need to be a part of whatever it is that's going on. What's the individual thought process that leads to that? Well, you spoke with Dr. Jennifer Taylor, who is a licensed psychologist here in Humboldt County. And let's hear what she had to say. The phenomenon of individuals who previously weren't engaged, who don't identify as social activists necessarily, coming out to march, this is likely due to realizing that they are not alone. And maybe having um, family or workplace conversations is not safe for that individual. But going out to join other like-minded people in a march provides a level of anonymity, provides a level of protection, and provides a level of groupness for people to express their dissatisfaction. Clinical psychologists all over are seeing more and more people coming to talk to them. Is that right? We've definitely seen an increase in anxiety and depression, but not just since November, really over the last number of years, and especially in younger people. And there's a lot of anxiety presently for some real good reasons, as in the first month of the new administration, various groups have been targeted, rights have been removed, bans have been enacted while much of this is being challenged in the court system and who knows how that'll play out over time a lot of people are panicky for some real very personal reasons that they see their family members their neighbors their friends their colleagues their students their faculty at some level of risk whether it be a transgender person, whether it be a person who is an immigrant, whether it be a person who's enjoying marriage equality, all of this now is being perceived by many people to be at risk. 
does this sustain itself? How does that individual who has gotten involved all of a sudden, where do they go from here? Is this blowing off steam or is this something that is going to last as long as they perceive that the unease is there? That's a good question, Chuck. And I'd have to say it's going to work differently for different people. For some people, this is a form of blowing off steam. But I did a little impromptu non-scientific survey since uh, you asked me um, to speak with you about this. And what I've discovered is that many people are taking this to a new level that they're feeling personally engaged, that they're feeling that this is not blowing off steam, but that this is a form of expression because many people are feeling disenfranchised. Um, Some folks want to make these marches about people are mad that they lost the election. And yet in in my readings and, and speaking with people about why are you becoming more involved, people are actually surprised that they're becoming more involved. Are you a social activist, I would ask people. All the people that I spoke with, and again, this is a small non-scientific survey, said, no, I don't identify as a social activist, but I'm scared, I'm nervous, I want to do something about this. I want to feel like I can make a positive difference because I feel that our rights are at risk. And so I think that we're going to see a level of sustainability, maybe not at the level of the Women's March in January, but already people are planning to march for the environment, people are planning to march for health care, people are planning to speak up, and I think that this is really good, because people who can speak up don't tend to suffer as much from oppression, and in my theory, oppression leads to depression, and when people are feeling unable to make a difference in their life, they typically become anxious. So increased anxiety, increased depression is something that we are seeing in the mental health front. So in a way, an individual deciding to get involved is healthy for them. Yes, absolutely. As long as it's done in a constructive frame, not a destructive frame. And many people who did participate in the January Women's Marches were very proud that the marches were all Mm non-violent. And I think that's an important contribution. Some people want to make this about the loss of an election, but it's not. It's much bigger. I believe that we're seeing a new era in democratic involvement, that people who, like me, fell asleep in their civics and history classes in high school are realizing that things aren't working the way that we were told that they would work, and that it's taking individual action to call our elected representatives and hold them accountable um, to get outside and march shows that people do care. So to uh, remove anxiety or depression, no, going out and becoming an activist will probably not do that. But to give people a voice, whether it be writing letters, whether it be making signs, whether it be shouting and chanting, that will decrease the negative impacts of anxiety and depression. So Chuck, let me get this right. She's saying that it's better to go on out and do something instead of nothing. And it's healthy in many cases to be active, to be engaged, and to have a say. I think that's what she's saying. And I think we're going to watch a lot of people here in California doing just that. And my prediction is 
is that the result of that is going to be that California, regardless of what's going on in Washington or the rest of the country or even the rest of the world, is going to lead into the future on all kinds of issues, whether it's climate change or immigration or social issues of one sort or another, or the environment. California is going to be out front and it is going to move into the future, sometimes maybe dragging, kicking and screaming the rest of the country with it or not. We don't know yet, but I think California is going to move forward no matter what. And I just don't see a headwind out there that can completely stall that. I think that's why a lot of people are scared is because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know if there will be something that will stall that. We don't know if, I mean, anything could happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's the uh, that's the crazy part. And so all we uh, can do is basically just stand for what we believe in, stay true to ourselves, and also respect to other human beings. That's right. And so some of this feeling of unease might continue. But if California is going to stay true to itself, like you're saying, I think California is going to be the future. It has been before, and I think it will be again. This could be the beginning of California being the future again. Thank you so much for tuning in to KHUM In-Depth. This will be podcasted at KHUM.com, The Lost Coast Outpost, and iTunes. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to In-Depth, KHUM's new monthly documentary series dealing with subject matters that concern us most. This program was produced by Bailey Brown and Chuck Rogers. We thank our sponsor for the series, Mr. Fish in Eureka. If your business would like to help sponsor the series, email advertise at khum.com. Future episodes will be dealing with the rise in racism, changes in our health care, changes in the marijuana laws and how that will affect Humboldt County, new energy policies and their local impact, the Russian connection, and more. Next month, we look at immigrants and the travel ban and how changes in immigration policy are affecting us here in Humboldt County as we look at this subject in depth. This episode and future episodes of In-Depth, you'll find podcast at iTunes and at khum.com. This is Cliff Berkowitz. Thank you for listening.